just um, a few quick notices, um, and then we want to share a little bit something important. Um, Three-ish things. Number one, next week we go to two services. Um, hooray! <laughs> hey, okay, I'm glad someone's excited. Me. We go at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. The 9 o'clock service is our children's ministry as well. So if you want your children to go out and do their ministry, that's 9 o'clock. Um, that's it. Two services next week, 9 and 11. And there's still nursery at the 11. Thank you, Alicia. Okay. Number two, next week is a barbecue. So after the service, we're going to be barbecuing. I'm hoping the weather stays like it is now um, so we can barbecue together. The nine o'clock service, once we've had tea and coffee at 11, we're going to go filter out. Jay and Greta are going to be organizing some garden lawn games. Um, and so we're going to be able to hang out there in the new patio. Um, we're going to play games. We'll be serving food about quarter to 12. And then when the second service finishes, there'll be no tea and coffee. We're going to just go straight out and enjoy the barbecue, the salad, the, the pasta, everything else that's there. So we can all, as one family, come together and have lunch and dinner together. That's next week. Exciting? Okay. Praise God. Love it. Number three, now this is something we want to highlight a little bit more. Last week I looked at the Bible, um, Jesus going onto the road to Emmaus, and I highlighted how important it was to read our Bibles. And it is, it's a big thing, but we were quite um, inundated with people saying, well, how do I read my Bible? What version of the Bible do I read? And in the fall, we're going to be looking at doing night classes. And one of the modules that we're going to be looking at is hermeneutics. How, you know, what is the Bible? How do we read the Bible? So that's something we're going to go in a little bit of depth. But this morning, Alicia and I want to share um, a, a tool on how to read a Bible. And over the course of the year, we're going to continue sharing different tools to read the Bible. The Bible is amazing. Um, but it's complicated and it's complex. There's a picture on the wall right there now. And it's not a doodle. There, that's it. There's a picture. This here is a picture of all of the cross references in the Bible. There are 39,000 cross references in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible was written over 1,500 years it was written by 40 authors. It was written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And it was written on three continents. And yet, the living, transforming word of God, for me, is one book highlighting one fantastic message, the redemptive word of God, that if anyone believes in Jesus Christ can have life. How amazing is the Bible? Over all of that information, God is good and he's given it. And yet we kind of just pop a door up with it or whatever, right? It's like, it's, we find it hard. So over the course of the year, we want to highlight tools to read our Bibles more. Now, a question I was asked last week, what Bible translation should I read? 
And so this is something that we're going to look again in the, in the fall. But I wanted this morning to highlight different Bible translations before we share what we're going to share. Now, there's different ways the Bibles can be translated. Again, it's in three languages, right? Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. How do you trans, translate uh, um, those three languages into your language? Now, it could be English. It could be Chinese. It could be uh, French. How do you translate that? So for English, we have a, a different, there's a chart, there's a spectrum. You have a formal equivalence or word for word. So the um, translators would get the original language and translate it quite literally into um, a, a Bible. And so a good example would be the English Standard Version or the King James, word for word. Another way of translating uh, a, 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 an English Bible from the original language would be um, thought for thought or um, um, that would be, um, no, the thought for thought. Um, okay, so we got thought for thought and it's kind of trying to get the, the sense, the essence of the passage, um, getting the original source and understanding how can that, how can the reader today understand it a little bit better. And so the NIV or the NLT would fall into that area a little bit. And then you get, well, I thought the dynamic equivalence would be paraphrasing. It's complicated, which we get your message and things, which just rethinks, you know, rewords the Bible in a way that is very easy to, to understand. For, let me make this clear. I study the English the ESV, the English Standard Version, that's my go-to Bible trans, uh, translation for, for study. But it's not always easy to understand. I preach from and we read from here on a Sunday morning, the NIV, which is in the middle, which takes both formal and, and, and dynamic uh, together. And that's my, you know, daily uh, Bible version. But this morning... We want to highlight uh, an online Bible study tool which comes from the NLT this morning. And that's what Alicia is going to share this morning. Yeah, so this is actually a new thing that happened within this last, I think, two years, really. And what it is, is I might need the table to... Yeah, thanks, because I don't have enough hands. Good thing God loves you. Anyhow, so with this, um, it connects with your phone. So you download this app called The Filament. And when you have that app, each Bible comes with a QR code at the front. And it's connected, that app is then connected with that specific Bible. And if you click onto the next, open it up, there's Filament, click on through, you get, you open up to a scan. And you get a scan at the top of each Bible page, um, a code. And that will then flip you open to this next section, thanks Paisley, where you have three different options, where you have a study, a reflect, and then underneath the finger there, it has um, the, the maps, the C section. And all three of these just open up your understanding and the world of like what it is I'm reading. So under C, it has the 
the different verse references. It has the different, um, like who wrote this and why was this written? Who is this for? The details that you wanna know in understanding what you are reading. And then you have under the reflect devotionals that are actually gonna come out of those specific two pages that you're reading. And then the last one is under C. And these are videos. So the Bible Project links videos into this where you're like, wait a second, I don't quite understand. They're talking about prophets a lot. And there's a video that you can just click in and it's gonna show you and teach you and break down the understanding. It also has maps, interactive maps, along with um, worship songs sometimes. So this is just a quick dip into what this app does, but it links with your Bible. And so when you look at the two pages, um, you now are getting a fuller picture of what is written within those two pages. Um, yeah. That's great. Okay. Thank you very much, Alicia. To be able to take a, just a screenshot of the page and to be able to have this online resource on your phone of, you know, um, devotions and maps and the Bible Project. I don't know if you've come across them. The fact that they're working with filament uh, is just great. Uh, I, I was really quite excited when Alicia showed me. So we wanted to highlight that. If you would like to buy a Bible for um, someone who's starting out in their Christian journey, if you, if you don't read the Bible very well, you know, you struggle to read, um, or you want just to say an easy way in, you know, your beginners, a uh, way of reading the Bible, then we recommend uh, this uh, app, uh, which atta is attached to the NLT Bible. Um, the Bibles will be at the, in the reception area at the end of the service. And if you want to buy one, you can put your name down. Uh, but hopefully that's a helpful tool for anybody who's just starting out uh, or wants to know a little bit more about um, the Bible and, and everything around it. So, and over the course of the year, we're going to share more resources in that whole spectrum towards the other end as well. Uh, so I hope that's helpful. Thanks, Alicia. Okay. I'm enjoying that, uh, that buzz that uh, is happening right now. It's good, isn't it? Well, uh, this morning we're, we have a, a, a community story I'm going to do with my, my friend Ron. And Ron has, uh, has uh, spent some time in Uganda, and we're going to talk about that, talk a little bit about uh, how you got there and what you did and uh, wh what it looks like moving forward. So, Ron, you've been coming to New Life for how long? Fairly recently, yeah. um, Gail and I uh, began attending, I guess, last December. Great. And uh, you're a young guy, um, around, uh, what was it, 42? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? 52? Yeah. 72. 72, okay. I didn't want to say it. 72. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, Ron, you've done a lot of things in your life. Uh, God has taken you on some different journeys, and you found yourself in Uganda. Maybe a little bit of, uh, tell us a little bit about that journey of where you thought maybe God was going to take you, and yeah. Sure. Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> interestingly, um, one of the biggest questions of my life has been, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is my calling? 
And uh, actually, for most of my life, I was a property developer. But um, in um, my early 30s, the Lord called me to Bible college. So I spent five years in Bible college, um, got uh, qualified to become a pastor, but I knew that I was not being called to be a pastor. And so um, with the education in tow, um, Gail and I continued to attend uh, church, and we found over the years that our closest friends became pastors, even to the point where on a couple of occasions uh, we went on vacations with our pastors. Um, Recently, however, um, the Lord showed me that it wasn't just something that happened by accident, but it was actually something that he was planning for me. Because um, in 2020, I got the opportunity to um, minister uh, with some pastors in Uganda. And they said, well, would you mind uh, sending us a teaching? And so I did. I sent them a teaching, and they liked it. And they got back to me and said, um, would you send one every month? And I said, sure. So I sent them a teaching every month. Um, then I was introduced to a second pastor who said, we would love the teachings too, but we would like it. This was around the time of COVID. We would like it if you would actually teach the pastors online. So I did. And they liked it. And then what happened was they said, come visit us. So I did. We went to visit them. And uh, that was in January of this year, uh, sorry, March of this year. And they said, listen, we gotta, we got to take advantage of this relationship. Would you be willing to um, encourage and disciple more pastors? And I said, yes. And so now, on a monthly basis, I am encouraging and discipling a total of 50 pastors online every month. Yeah, that's great. I know after you got back, Ron, uh, we sat down and we chatted, and, and you were pretty blown away by the response that you got there, even the, even the people that you came in contact with. Um, I, don't, I want you to share a, a little bit about the, that with the pastors, but you actually got pulled over by the police. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very different um, environment in Uganda. Um, they are a Christian community. Uh, beginning to end. They absolutely are. And they are not afraid uh, to express their faith. So on uh, this particular morning, we're driving along, and it's not unusual to have a road check in Uganda, and that might be the military or it might be a local police. In this case, it was a local police lady, and we were pulled over, and the driver was asked for his license. And so he passed the license, and as he did, um, he said to the uh, police lady, this man's a pastor. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you doing that? And she looks at me and she says, really? And I said, yes. And she shot her hands through the door. The window was down, both hands, palms up and said, would you pray a blessing over me, please? And I thought, oh my goodness, I wonder if I could expect that to happen in Canada. <laughs> They really do have a faith that they wear on their sleeve. And more than once, I was stopped in the road uh, when people knew that I was a pastor. And they asked me to pray for them right on the spot. Pray for healing, pray for blessing. It really is a different experience. In fact, one of my pastor friends said, I like to go to Uganda because when I return, my faith is so much stronger. That's good. Um, 
Ron, as you were there, you, you spoke at two different conferences. How long did you speak for uh, when you were speaking? So um, I spoke for an hour and a half in the morning, an hour and a half in the afternoon. And I did that for a couple of days at each of the conferences. Yeah. yeah. So there's a hunger for you to go back. And uh, from that, there's something else that kind of came from yeah. you going. So they want you to come back, but they also are going to add another component to it. Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, they are really into family in Uganda. And so when, I, when they asked me to introduce myself, they said, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I said, well, I've been married for 54 years. I have three children. They're all walking with the Lord. I have nine grandchildren, and a couple of them are already in full-time ministry. And they said, oh, my goodness, when you come back, you got to do a youth conference. And so when we go back in, Jan in uh, yeah, January 2024, I'm going to be doing two pastors' conferences and one youth conference. And so far, we've got 13 youth uh, all signed up from five different churches uh, coming with us in January to do the first Canada-Uganda youth conference. They're billing it as the first international youth conference. So we're really excited about it. That is really great. So if you're interested, talk to Ron. I'd love um, them to. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think when I'm talking to you, Ron, one of the things that stood out to me is um, a little bit of that journey uh, for you, that um, you, you did life, living life as you would being faithful to the Lord, having a desire to serve him, um, and here you are at 72, and the doors are... You keep saying that. I know. <laughs> we have a few What is it about you and my age? <laughs> <laughs> because, because it doesn't matter where you are in, your, in, the, in the age continuum, God wants to use you. And sometimes maybe we think we're too young or we're too old for him to use us. Yeah. And is that the case? Yeah, you know, uh, being around people like you and Simon mm -hmm. for most of my life... I always felt less than because I wasn't the pastor. You guys were. And um, I knew that I was trained to be, but not called to be. Little did I know that what God was calling me to do by encouraging pastors and walking with them and befriending them, that was my calling. Yeah. And it was only this year that the Lord said, you, you dumbass. <laughs> You've been walking in your calling. You just didn't know it. And then I said, thank you, Jesus, because what he's given me now, discipling 50 pastors, is simply an extension of all that I've been doing for most of my life. I just didn't know it. <laughs> Ron, thank you for sharing. And... Um... Not certain if I've ever been on stage and dumb and Aspen and used in the same, uh, but anyways, that's great. <laughs> uh, listen, there is more to Ron's story. We don't, have a, we don't have time to go into it all, but if you want to talk to Ron, um, there is, there is a, there, there's a, there you go. There's a, he's got a website, uh, ronkingsministry.com. You can reach him at ron at ronkingsministry, or you can talk to him after church because he's going to be kicking around. He's the guy that's 72 years old in a sling. You can ask him why he's in a sling. All right? Hey, let me pray for you before you thank leave stage. Father, I thank you for my friend Ron. I thank you for um, you using him, and you uh, continue to use him. Thank you for the doors you have opened, and Lord, that he would walk through them with your grace. And Lord, with, um, with just waiting on you.
for what you're doing and how you're going to do it. Father, around this world, we're reminded that there are brothers and sisters around this world who love you, who are passionate about you, who want to serve you and desire to know you more. And, and that we're not isolated, but we are the church, your church, Lord, where Christ, you are the head, you are the king, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So the scripture reading for this morning, as Scott comes up to preach, is John 20, 24 to 31, looking at the NIV. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not, not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus said, told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Amen. Rich, is it not? Um, I sure appreciated uh, all that we've been able to dive into. And, and uh, as we've said uh, throughout our time, uh, this word is important. And when we can have it in our hands, it is so good to have it in our hands. One way or another. Whether it's uh, this way or digitally this way, but having God's word is so important. Um, Lana told me she was going to do something today. And then, you know, here I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, man, I could go off on that pretty easy this morning. Uh, it flows so nicely. But this morning, we're going to look at Thomas. And I'm hoping to give Thomas a new name. Uh, we'll get there in a moment. But I don't know how you have found life. But for me, there are times in my life that I felt very overwhelmed. And I think if you've lived any life at all, you can feel that way. And when I read the story of Thomas, I think that's the very thing that's happening to him. Stop and think about it. Here is Thomas. Um, the man that he has walked with for three plus years is now dead. So his mentor, his teacher, his friend is dead. I don't know about you, but my reaction probably wouldn't be all that good either. I mean, here was the guy, if you go back a few, a few chapters, you'll see that Thomas was the guy who said, okay, I guess if we're going to Judea, let's all go and die together. <laughs> That's what he was going to do. And when it came time to actually do that, he, like the other disciples, fled. So there's a little bit of guilt, I imagine, on his shoulders as well. 
So when I read this and I look at this, I think, yeah, I can relate a little bit to what he is going through. And maybe he needed a little bit of time to process what he just went through. Maybe you can relate because maybe in your life over the years, you've experienced some things. Perhaps you've had a devastating breakup or a divorce. Maybe you've had a job promotion you wanted, but you didn't get it. Perhaps you wanted to go to a university and they didn't let you in. Or in order to get in, you needed a scholarship and you didn't quite make the cut. Maybe you had a business you wanted to start and the bank wouldn't give it to you or you started a business and the bank said it wasn't successful enough and you lost it. Maybe you had a family member or a close friend who'd done you wrong. Or perhaps you're sitting here and you're overwhelmed with the fact that recently you lost somebody in your life and you're grieving. When I read the story of Thomas, I see a man who just went through an extreme, extreme difficulty in his life. Really extreme. And we call him Doubting Thomas. But I believe that here is a man who was crushed and perhaps paralyzed. And I can understand those emotions. Because I've had in my life, and if you could zoom in on parts of my life, you would see me curled up on my bed, struggling to breathe, because I was having a panic attack. So I look at Thomas and I go, yeah, you know, this guy, having a difficult day. He's got a difficult week. This isn't easy for him. So, we read here that when Jesus first appeared, he wasn't there. And we read in verse 8, eight days later, he's with the disciples. But, but he says this. He says to them, um, to the other disciples, they said, we have seen the Lord but he said to them, unless I see him in his hands and the mark on the, the nails and the place where I, where I can put my, excuse me, and place my fingers on the mark and on his side, I will not believe. There's the first thing that I want us to understand about Thomas. I didn't buzz. There we go. Is this, is that we need Community. This man, for whatever reason, for the first part, he, he stepped out of community. But he was back in community. And as difficult as it was for him, he stepped back into that community. It might have been embarrassing. It might have been hard. I think it would be hard to step back in. But there he was. He was back with the disciples. And he was being honest. We're going to look at that in a moment. But but he was with them. So the writer of Hebrews says, don't forsake the gathering together of believers. Don't forsake yourself of gathering together because you need one another. We need one another. Even in our difficulties and our failures and our struggles and our trials, we need this. And we need small groups as well. We need community because it is there that we will find our refuge. It is there that times we need to be helped carried along, moved along. 
What I like about this is there's two sides to this verse in Hebrews. It says, do not neglect meeting together as the habit of son. But he says, but encourage one another to meet. And so there's two sides. There's a side that I cannot neglect coming together, but there's also the side of not allowing somebody else to neglect coming together. Do you know somebody today who's not coming to church? Like they just said, I tapped, I'm out, I'm not coming anymore, I'm done, forget it. Do you know of anybody? I want to tell you, if you know somebody, come alongside of them. Come alongside and put your arm around and journey with them. Yes, you don't need to come to church to be a Christian. But I've yet to meet somebody who is vibrant in their walk with God without being connected to church. We need it. Connected to community, connected to brothers and sisters. We need it. Here's the second thing that I think is interesting is that Thomas had this great confession. And so let's look at it again, and I'll see if I don't butcher it this time as I read it. And he says this. He says, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Those are strong words. Those are really crazy words. But I love the fact that Thomas is in community and he is so vulnerable in that place of community. I wonder how many sit here today, this morning, and you doubt God. You doubt the existence of God. Somebody's probably here. Somebody probably feels that. Somebody's probably thinking that. Yeah, I can tell you I have. But sometimes, and most times, it's not a safe place in this community to stand up and say, you know what, I'll tell you, I am doubting today that God exists. I am doubting that what you tell me is reality. But that is what Thomas did in community. This was a place that he could stand up and he could say, I am doubting. Unless I can actually touch him, I'm not going to believe. That's what he says. Pretty strong words with a group of people. And I love the fact that he was willing to be vulnerable. And so when I look at him, I think that it should, he should be known as not as Doubting Thomas, but of Honest Thomas. So I gave him a new name. <laughs> honest Thomas. Because I think we need to be more honest in our communities, whether that's in a small setting or a large setting, but we need more honesty about what we're thinking and what we're feeling, about our failures, about our doubts, about our anxieties, about our fears, about our troubles, about our marriages, about our relationships. We need to have more of that, more of that honesty because it is in there that we begin to have these encounters with Jesus. It's in community that it is so good that we can do that. But too often, we struggle and we doubt and we have our fears and our anxieties and our worries and we keep them to ourselves and we don't bring it to reality. I love this line from Kerry Newhoff. He says, we cannot address what we don't confess. Isn't that good? We cannot address what we do not confess. And when we confess, 
wow, a lot of things can happen. A lot of crazy things can happen. I love the fact that, that Thomas did not try to do some impression management. But he stated, I am struggling to believe that Jesus is alive. And for me to believe, I will need to actually touch him. But church, what if we stop allowing impression management to guide our relationships with one another? What if instead we, we live lives that are open and honest before each other, allowing our doubts and fears to be exposed? What if we had a community of believers that we could be like Thomas, say to one another that I have doubts, I have fears, I have pains, I have hurt? What if in these small gatherings, we could remove the walls and shed the veils, allowing others to see our heart? I think the problem is that we've become so accustomed for walls and veils to be put up that we don't realize that we're doing it. You know, our culture demands that we hide the truth. It really does. As a leader in the church, I am taught that I am not to, I am not to lead out of a place of weakness and vulnerability. Alicia, a few weeks ago when she preached, she did a great job of exposing that Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane showed great weakness at that point in time. I came across this. We've been reading a book, uh, The Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, as a, as a staff. And Pete Cazero says this. He says, God declares that all relationships would be marked by pain and misunderstanding, even in the best communities. And all the work would be marked by frustration and a sense of incompleteness. That's what we read in John, Genesis 3, 16 to 19. And he goes on to say, while the larger world treats weakness and failure as a liability, God sees our weakness and vulnerability as a gift. His message to us is one of acceptance. Relax, he says. Weakness and failure cuts across all ages. Culture, race, and social class. I've hidden within them gifts so that you can offer to others a broken love like mine. Jesus, with all of his love, broke for you and I on our behalf. So, if I'm going to talk about weakness and vulnerability, I might as well share weakness and vulnerability with you. Last time I preached, um, what I normally do is I'll, I'll get done and, and within, you know, 24 hours, I'm sitting with God and I'm just allowing God to evaluate my preaching on a Sunday morning. How'd I do, God? Anything you want to teach me? Anything you want to say to me? And there are many times there's not much, and, but this last time there was. And he said, so why did you ask people to say amen? Because that's what I do. <laughs> no, why did you ask that? Like, why... Did you ask that? And as I thought about it, and as I sat with the Holy Spirit, and believe me, this is just me, okay? Anybody that gets up here and says, you know, I want you to say amen, don't think that this is them. This is me, okay? This is just me talking, God talking to me. And I said, well, because I think at that particular time, I was wondering if people were actually tracking with me. And really what I'm saying is I was really concerned that you were liking what I was saying. I was more concerned about that. And God says, well, 
Is that what you need? Yes, that's what I need. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but no, that's not what I need. I need him. I need his amen. And so it's good to sit with God, and it's good to hear that. But that's my weakness. You see, my weakness is, is that I get into a place and I want you to like me. I want all of you to like me. I want you to think good things about me. And when I do that, I get so concerned about that, what happens is I don't do God's will. I do what's going to give me pats on the back, and that doesn't fly, right? So, so God's teaching me. God is coming to me, and he's saying, Scott, you still have things to learn. Amen. I do. I do. And so it wasn't that I felt beaten down by God. Instead, I actually felt free, freer than I have in a while, and it was good. It's good. <laughs> you know, maybe that's what Paul was trying to say in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, when he ends his part in there, he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's my, my last point, and this is my, this, is, this I love when I look at this. This is what I see. When I read this, this is what I see happening here. Thomas meets Jesus. And actually, in my notes, I have Jesus meets Thomas. I couldn't, I couldn't really, you know, I mean, Jesus came to Thomas so, G, so Thomas, so Jesus met Thomas, but Thomas met Jesus. I mean, it is so wonderful what happens here. Jesus offered to Thomas exactly what he was need, what he's needed, exactly what he asked for. I want to touch you. And Jesus says, okay, here I am. Touch me. Touch me. But, you know, with that, Thomas, Thomas is told, stop disbelieving and believe. And this was not condemnation. This was revelation. Here I am, he says. So now stop disbelieving. Here I am. And step into the revelation that here I am. And people, that is when revelation brings about transformation. That's why we want to read the word of God. This is God's revelation to us. And when we read his word and it enters into us, there is transformation that takes place. It's not information it's revelation. Because information, information isn't going to bring about transformation, transformation. It's revelation of the information that brings about transformation. And that's what happens to Thomas. He sees that. And what's his response? His response is this confession of conviction. My Lord, my God. This is a picture that I have. You have finite colliding with infinite. And in that, you have this beauty and this transformation. Thomas didn't run there and go, Oh, I've got to touch you all over. 
He falls down and he says, my Lord, my God. Why? Because it is this revelation that transforms him because it's the finite, you and I, the finite, the broken, the weak, the ones who are struggling, the finite is here and it collides with the infinite. And when that happens, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. Sometimes I need that to happen in my darkest moments, don't you? In my darkest moments, I need a collision. And sometimes in my greatest moments, I need a collision. I have done this now for quite a while, and I pray each morning, and I have a little portion, I pray the same thing, and I have this little portion of my prayer that says this, I talk about how God is in control of everything, that he woke me up today. He's invited me to be part of his day. And at the end of my prayer, I pray this, Lord, I know you're up to something, always. And I ask that as you're up to something in my universe, that I will be able to understand it and take part in it. So as you, some of you know, we were off uh, to Portugal for a couple weeks with, with uh, some good friends, and they're still good friends. <laughs> I think, Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, a little insecurity there. Uh, and so we're, we're um, if, if you travel with me, and my wife is really the one that gets the privilege of traveling in airports with me, I get in airports and it's like, boom, we're gone. And, uh, and it's, I got I to get point A to point B, and then I gotta, I go, I'm the first one up to get onto the plane when my, my number is called. Like, I just, I got to get my suitcase up there. Everything is like, it is like this. So we're, um, uh, I even leave Raina behind. <clears throat> and um, anyways, that's a whole nother story. She is so gracious. So we're in, uh, we're in London, and we land, and I've, and I've prayed this prayer. You know, Lord, I just want to understand what you're doing in my universe and to be part of it. So we're in London, and we're walking through, and we're going through customs, and there's this lady, and she's got her suitcase cart, and she's got a, a stroller, and she's trying to navigate both of them. And we're coming up to the doors, and I, in my head, are thinking, how am I going to navigate around her to get through so that we can get to where we need to go, Right? And so I'm doing this, and then I get this holy little Holy Spirit moment that says, help her. And I'm thinking, I got to get through. <laughs> and so, you know, she's, uh, she's a Muslim woman. And so I'm uh, I, I thinking, well, okay, I, okay, God, I get this. So I say to her, can I help you? And she says, yes. And I'm thinking, I'll grab the cart with the suitcases, and she gives me the stroller with her kids. <laughs> so here I am, walking, and she says, my husband is just out there waiting for me. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't understand the culture here. I don't want to offend anybody or anything like that. And so I walk out there, and I'm pushing, and, and she goes, oh, there he is. She says, thank you for helping me. And he comes to me and says, thank you so much for helping my wife. And I look at that, and I think, that... That was it. That was, my, that was my little world of what God was doing in my world right there to help this lady. I don't know what it means for eternity. I just know that that's what God wanted me to do. And I think in that moment, there was this collision of the finite and the infinite colliding together, and it was beautiful. And don't you want that? 
I want that. And there's nothing more beautiful when that happens in community. And that's what happened here. Think about it. It wasn't just Thomas before Jesus. It was Thomas and the other disciples watching this all happen. And there was a beauty that took place. There was a collision that took place. But it all started because of two things. Thomas was willing to enter into community in his failures, in his weakness, in his struggles. And he was willing to be honest, honest Thomas. He was willing to be honest in that environment. And Jesus met him there. He met him there. So he can be doubting Thomas all he wants, as long as he's wanting to do it in community because he's one honest dude. I really see that. Hey, uh, we're going we're gonna to move on because I want to give you a couple spiritual practices for this week, okay? So out of this, what I want to do is, is this. Um, just in the spiritual practice of confession. So I, I want us to first know and understand this is that not all confession is sin. Just because you're doubting doesn't mean you're sinning. Just because you have fears or anxiety doesn't mean you're sinning. So not all confession is sin, but, but confession, as has been said, we can't address what we don't confess. When we confess, we bring it out into the open, into the light, and it can actually, something can actually happen. And so um, I've, I've, got, uh, I've got this out on a piece of paper out in the foyer. So because I put eight things up here, you're going to go, whoa. Here's just some, little, some steps. If you are going, I am struggling with something, I want to encourage you to find somebody to, to share that with. Find someone. And whoever that is, um, here's some things to help you. Understand that when you're sharing that with somebody, you're not looking for a therapist, you're not looking for a counselor. You're just, that, that may be something you do apart from this. But this is just doing it in community. What are, you, what are you struggling with? What are your fears? What are your struggles? What are your anxieties? What is it that in a relationship that you are, you are struggling? You know, I, I, had a, I had a couple once come to me. He had spent a whole year sleeping on the couch in the basement. A whole year. I didn't even know this. And they came to me and said, I think my marriage is in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I wish they would have come to me the first day he slept on the couch. But we don't give room for that in our church because it's too embarrassing to say that my marriage isn't doing well. Rain and I have not always done well. <laughs> We've had our struggles. It's been difficult. All right. So there's that. Secondly, is this is I want to talk about, just a little bit, because we talk about the Word of God, the practice of studying God's Word. Simon read that second part there, which says this. It says, these things are written that you may believe that the Son of Christ, that, that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. Well, it, it's been written that you may believe. Well, if it's been written, you need to read it. Well, how do you read the Word of God? Because if we're going to believe, we need to read God's Word. So how do we do that? How do we look at studying? So I just quickly put a few things down here to remembering, to, to be reminded that it's important that as we study scripture, it's not about what we know, it's about who we know. That's why we're reading this. It's to discover who God is. 
And then as we look at that, as John Ortberg says, it, the study in Scripture is breathing in the spiritual life. It's study, in study, we engage in God's presence, nature, and will. The aim of study is not knowledge, but love. Because love transforms. Because we are to love God and to love other people. So um, I've got another... Can you switch the next one? It's my last one. It's not working anymore. All right, there we go. So I've just got three simple things to add to as you study, add to as you open up God's word. And that is, is that to, to, to appreciate scripture, we just pay attention to sometimes the small details. Read a story. Is read a story in here. Place yourself in the different characters. Where would you fit? What does it look like? How would it be if you were in that situation? Because the word of God is meant to be personal, not just distant. And then as you read it, maybe there's a, a phrase or there's a word in the bio, word in what you, what you read. Write it out. Put it on a piece of paper. Slip it in your pocket. Put it in your purse. Every time you, 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 you look at it, it will remind you that day of what the message that God has for you. And then last I would say is that as you read, um, have a journal handy. You may not journal every day, but have a journal handy because as God tells you something or gives you an insight, it's great to write it down and then to look back to in it. When we were away, I, I took my journal and I just flipped back through my journal and I just was reading all the things that God was revealing and showing and telling me and got, wow, this is amazing. This is good. God is actually real. So Thomas, he's honest, Thomas. I hope, I hope that wherever you are in your Christian walk today, that you would find yourself in a place that you could be honest in a community that you could find yourself vulnerable. I'm going to pray. And as a group comes up uh, this morning, maybe for you today, maybe you do want some prayer because you know that you need to be honest and you haven't been. And maybe it's not so much you want to be honest with somebody you don't know up here, but it's the fact that you just want prayer to actually take that step of being honest. We're going to offer communion as well. And so if you want prayer or communion this morning, we invite you to come up for that as we finish our time in a song this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence in our lives. God, um, you, we didn't even touch on the fact Jesus calling us blessed because we believe and yet we have not seen. Lord, how precious it is that your kingdom is for all. All those who have seen you physically and all those who have not. And it is because of what you have done, Lord, that we are here today. Father, thank you for a man like Thomas, who was real, who was honest. And in that, he had an incredible encounter with you. Lord, I pray for people here today who are, who are struggling and they need that that finite and the infinite to Clyde and to see you in a beautiful and wonderful way, in a transforming way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.